You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Archery Unfiltered, where I, Wendell Souza, cover. California archery events and what it takes to make you a better archer. What's up, fuckos? How's everybody? Thought I would come on through and give you another archery unfiltered episode. Um, hope you guys are doing well. I hope uh, everyone is building themselves as archers after listening to the Mark Rubio podcast. I know I am. Um, Man, it's been a little while. I think it's been a week already. I hope I sound good to you guys. I'm coming through on new um, podcasting equipment courtesy of Rudy Sandoval. If you guys want to hear more from Rudy Sandoval, you guys can go listen to Rudecast Archery. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still up there, but uh, me and Rudy used to do a podcast together on Rudecast. We used to do a lot of joint stuff. He's the one that actually, you know, convinced me to get into it. Um, aside from other guys, uh, Cody Price had a really cool podcast back in the day about archery, and I think that's still up too. That's a good one, and I really liked Cody's podcast because he's very unfiltered, and uh, you know, he, he'll call it like it is. Um. In archery news, guys, let's just do a quick update. This weekend, what's going down is Foley ASA. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, that is the uh, Hoyt Easton Pro-Am. Um, that's in Foley. I think it's Alabama. Well, let me check that because I know if it's in Florida, my friend uh, Jim is going to get pissed at me. Yes, that is in Alabama. Bama. Um <coughs> Pretty surprising watching the scores coming out here. I think I said like a year ago that Paige was going to start getting dethroned by some of these up-and-coming girls that are, I should say women, that are badass shooters. Paige is on a fucking tear this year. And I don't know what it is. If it's, you know, if Tate Morgan is just good juju or, or what, but she is fucking what well well I won't get into <laughs> everything I think but she's just on fire and it's she's like a juggernaut um Paige is shooting like a whole 12 points above second place at the moment um so she's going into you know I think if this is the you know ASA that I think and you know everyone on the east coast forgive me because in California we don't do this style of 3D which we should you know I truly think we should be doing this style of shooting because so much of the country does it but for whatever reason the west coast is just like me we're going to do safari now and it's like don't get me wrong I love safari but this style of uh, this 3D style that they do at the ASAs is so exciting and it's so much fun. And you know they got the 14 ring you can go after. It's just 
it's just some badass shooting. Um, so it's just, oh man, it's just interesting shit. Um, Paige shoots in the women's gnome pro. And for us California shooters that are wondering, well, what does that mean? What is, what does gnome pro mean? Um, let's see. I think it means, I think in most of the ASA, the maximum yardage is 50 yards. Uh, let's see, just reading in the class things right here. The difference between known and unknown is the uh, is the yardages, I believe. Here, let me double check that. So yeah, get this. <clears throat> For unknown, range finders aren't allowed. Now that's fucking beastly. <laughs> so you got to judge on a <laughs> fucking AS uh, on a 3D target. That doesn't have an orange spot. It's just got those little, you know, the carvings for the rings. Um, let's see. For all known distance competition classes, shooters may use range finders and are required to share their information, if requested, by another competitor in their group. Ooh! <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. So it's like if you... If someone gets up there first and shoots it and drills it, you can be like, what was the distance? <laughs> And I guess, I don't know, can you lie? Can you just bullshit, bullshit it? 53 yards. <laughs> so unknown seems to be a, the, you know, the one-up beastly class. But let's not, you know, let's not take away anything from the gnome pro. All right. Looks like women's gnome pro. That's where Paige is crushing it. There's still killers in that class. Uh, Cassidy Cox. Hannah Moose, uh, Morgan Wright, Reeves, uh, Danielle Woody. We all know, we know all those names, and those are all badass shooters. <laughs> I said we all know those names after I like stumble over Reeves' name. <laughs> um, let's see, what else do we got? I guess the Open Pro would be the unknown class. Um, Let's see, what do we got? Oh, back to, let's go back to Gnome Pro. Let's see what we got back in Gnome Pro. Okay, so Gnome Pro, you see a lot of the names that we know from regular Target. James Lutz is up there. Now, James Lutz is only four points above Paige, but both of them are fucking crushing it. So, if, just to put it in perspective, Paige shot a 226. Uh, Kyle Douglas shot a 228. Curtis Brodnax shot a 226. So, Page is just fucking crushing it. Lewis Price shot at 224. If you guys remember, Lewis Price at Reading last year was like looking to win it the first two days. Or I think they call him Louis Price. I don't know. I don't want to fuck it up. But I'm just going to go ahead and fuck it up. Don't matter. Um, he was looking to win it in Reading. He was shooting beastly. And you know what's crazy? You have to shoot next to him at the practice range. And we were at this um, upper range at Reading. They have an upper practice range at the you know, uh, they'll drive you to, and that you can shoot 100 yards. And I was watching him shoot 100 yards, and it didn't look like a regular person shooting 100 yards. His shot process was so planned out, and so he was so confident in every step that he took, it looked different than a regular person shooting. It didn't even look like a... I don't want to say like a robot, because it didn't look like a robot, but man... I remember watching him shoot and thinking, holy fuck, I got to write down my shot process and actually go through that process at some point. Um, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's been well over a year. It's been almost a year. <laughs> but I'm going to. 
Um, you know, I haven't I haven't purchased the shot process or what they call that shot IQ uh, class, but just listening to Joel Turner, he talks about blueprinting your shot so that you never have to rely on the unknown. And I think I'm going to get to that this week. I'm actually going out to the range in just a few minutes. It'll be my first time outdoors in a little while. I am fucking stoked. I got a lot of stuff to say about out, outdoor stuff. Um, let's see. Open Pro. I guess Open Pro is going to be one where you're judging distance. Uh, first and second place are tied with a 212. It's Ryan Jeffries and Samuel Smith. Uh, Jacob Marlowe's sitting right behind them with a 210. Uh, you can see those scores are a lot lower than the known scores. So that's a you're, you're guessing distance there. Or I shouldn't say guessing. You're judging distance. <laughs> Sure would be fucking dumb to just go out there and guess. Um, but these dudes are pretty legit at it. And this is where you get into that style of play where, you know, people are shooting a really fast, fat arrow, um, you know, in, in hopes of catching lines and and not worrying about, you know, missing their sight too much. I want to say one of the girls in the Gnome Pro, though, shoots X10s. And I think she shoots it shoots them really well. I think she won an ASA with X10s at one point. Um, let's see. Women's Pro. This would be like the Open Pro. Uh, Sharon Wallace is sitting at first with a 205. We all know who Sharon Wallace is. Aaron McGlattery, 202. I think Aaron McGlattery is the one that's shooting the uh, Hoyt Ventum. So, there's another person that's not getting along with her Stratos. <laughs> I'm just going to happen to point out. <laughs> now, we'll get, I'll get back to my Hoyt ideas in a minute. Kara Kelly sitting in third with a 195. Emily McCarthy behind her with a 194. And that's all I'm going to talk about, I guess. So, Sharon Wallace is cool. Because she's been doing it for a long time. I think she said she just turned 50? And she's still competing with the ladies. She's still throwing down with the girls. So, that's... In the and that's in the yardage judging division too. That's ugh, that's freaky. I think if I did this, if I ever did an ASA, I would definitely go in the known division and probably get my ass handed to me. But holy crap! If you guys go to the asaarchery.com/scores website, you can see everyone. They got they got a, like a banner at the top, and everyone's got their hand over their heart. They're doing like the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And I see Kevin Pierce on the far left. I see Paige right next to him. I see my man, a guy, a strong supporter of this show, Joel Avenato, dead center, right in the middle of the banner. <laughs> you don't even know. Wow. Oh man. Anyway, if you guys want to know, really nice. Dude shoots out of Lodi is uh, Joel Avenato. He's a Avendano. He's a um, strong supporter of the show. Good friend of mine. Very nice guy. Um, let's see other stuff in Archer news. PSE got sold. I think you guys have all heard about that. Um, yeah, there. I remember there were talks that you know uh, Joe Rogan was going to possibly purchase PSE, and that he had helped Pete Shepley out by purchasing a section of the factory and then he turned Pete's factory into a pot warehouse um, I asked someone that works at PSE if that's true and they told me I was smoking crack 
So I guess they're all just rumors. But PSE just got picked up by a large, like I want to say an investing group. Let's see. Let's figure out what it's called exactly. Man, you you know what? It just takes one person to tell me I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about to set my <laughs> to set my podcasting thing up right next to the computer so I can fact check myself. So PSE got picked up by the Heritage Outdoor Group, which is a newly formed holding company that has acquired PSE. This is from Lynn Burkhead from bowhunter.com. Um and that made me look up, well, what is a holding company? Um, a holding company is a business entity, usually a corporation or limited liability company, whose primary business is holding a controlling interest in securities of other companies. So it's basically like a just a big investor is what I'm taking away from it. Um, I've been talking to a couple friends about this, about, you know, I, a handful... Opinions are split on PSE getting sold, right? Half of the people are like, oh, this fucking sucks. PSE is doomed. The other half is like, sweet. This is going to be awesome. Um, now, let's just remember. It's not like, you know, PSE's lead engineers have all gotten shipped off to another place. I don't think we're going to see much change in the PSE designs. I think people are also kind of nervous. I think one of the main concerns is like what's going to happen to PSE as far as how it deals with shops like Cabela's and uh, what is that, Sportsman's Warehouse and stuff like that. Um, I think PSE is going to be just fine, personally. I don't think a big investing company would invest in a company and, you know, r either one, intentionally run it into the ground, or two, you know, change it so radically. I've never seen it. Like, you always hear about companies getting bought out and then getting radically changed and they lay everyone off. Oh, like what's happening at, at Twitter, right? But, you know, Twitter's a fucking... It's a tech company. It's going to be a lot of people sitting on their ass. I, I worked at a company a long time ago and I built, um, like, high-precision bond testing equipment so the company I worked at, we built these machines that would test solder bonds on circuit boards. And we were contracted out by Lockheed Martin and uh, Ford, you know, to to create these uh, machines that would test turbulence and how well your circuit board would hold up. Well, anyway, that company got bought out by a larger company called VTech. And yeah, I know, right? Not Honda's VTech, but uh, just another company called VTech. And literally not a damn thing changed. They, I think they may have hired like one or two extra people and that was about it. Everything else did the same. I would expect it to be very similar with PSE. Um, you know, there's a theory out there that what hurts PSE as a company is that they put out a bunch of crap bows to companies like uh, Cabela's and Sportsman's Warehouse. You know, those little cheap uh, burner bows. But as you know, it's just a theory. Who knows? I I don't think I would see. I don't would not expect a company to make moves that would hurt their their bottom dollar. You just can't survive doing that. I think, you know, Pete Shapley's out. I know he's been a huge part of the you know, the legend behind PSE. But hey, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what Heritage is going to do. I don't think they're going to do shit. And I think we're going to keep seeing the same thing. You know, hopefully. 
we see a well, I don't want to say I don't want to besmirch PSE, but <laughs> hopefully we see less than two brand new target bows a year. <laughs> I gotta hand it to PSE though. Whoever their engineers are, uh, they're they're working. <laughs> PSE's putting them to work. Um. All right. Let's see. Okay, first thing on my list today that I want to talk to you guys about is making AAE veins stick to your carbon arrows. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have trouble with this, but I think Mark had mentioned it when I talked to him. Tough to get them to stick. Uh, I have had trouble with them getting them to stick in the past. I like them because they are very simple. Um... But I'm always plagued by, you know, if I go shooting with my friend Jim, he will grab my arrows and he will wrench on my veins just to fuck with me. Just to see which ones will stick and won't stick. Well, now that now I've wrenched on my veins because of it. But it's good practice because you never know who's going to walk up and pull your arrow out of a target and they're going to grab it vein first. Because that, that does happen. Um, what I have found with AAE veins, and you could probably carry this over to all veins, right? Um is that oh it, all veins except q2i's the best thing to do is to clean the shaft with some kind of acetone and you're not supposed to bathe or dip your shaft in acetone um especially if it's carbon because that will start to break down the epoxy that holds all that carbon together um so where was i yeah well, I, what i'm using is actually brake cleaner and the reason why I like to use brake cleaner is because I build my arrows in a small confined spot in my basement and I thought, hey, why not kill two birds with one stone um, and get get and hallucinate a little bit. <clears throat> but what I do is I, I blast brake cleaner into a paper towel and then I clean my arrow shaft. And you know your arrow shaft is clean when it makes a really high-pitched squeak when you're moving, when you're moving your paper towel over your arrow. Um, it's really weird how that happens, but I mean, does anyone know how a uh, final record works? I would imagine it's the same principle at play. So you have a clean shaft, you put it on your arrow jig, you then put your vein in your clamp, and before I glue anything down, I will, you know, take your prep pen. If you have a prep pen, you very well should, and you don't. I mean, I see a, what's crazy is the AAE fletching instructions say, like, use a max wipe, use the AAE proprietary this, and use more. It's like you're going to have a whole box full of AAE fletching shit by the time you're done. I have an old tack vein pen that I got for Christmas last year, primer pen, and I still use that. I believe all these pens are is like a little bit of acetone inside a... I mean, I might be wrong. It might be alcohol. But there is a P65 warning on it, which means it can cause cancer. So <laughs> that leads me to believe it's acetone. <clears throat> anyway, use an old tack vein primer pen. Um, I will primer the base of the vein, and then I'll set it down without glue on the shaft and make sure that, you know, what are you trying to run? Are you trying to run a straight? Are you trying to run a helical? I'm just I'm looking for, regardless of whatever style clamp you're running and whatever the offset is, that the base of the vein is sitting absolutely flat against the carbon shaft. All right, for me, I, I hate that. I should not say for me. Damn it. 
what I like <laughs> is a flat vein base contact um, with the shaft over um, a desired helical, if that makes sense, guys. I would rather have the vein make solid contact, like really solid contact, than to sacrifice like the ends of that vein and get a little more helical or offset. I personally am running my outdoor arrows with one degree, but I think it's like one, yeah, about about one degree offset. Um, I just heard a long time ago. I hate to say it, I think it was by John Dudley, that you know when you test all the different helicals and offsets and all that shit, oh, one degree heli or one degree straight offset is the most accurate at a hundred yards. And it's like, well, we're not doing all our shooting at a hundred. You know, I could see running helical for. I would actually try it. I'd try to run helical for like if I was shooting fifty meters or you know anything else. <clears throat> but fact of the matter is, if if what he's saying is true, and that's what I've always run since listening to it, then sure, why the hell not? <clears throat> Let's go for it. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with running helical as long as you are getting that arrow off the blade clean. You know. Um, you know, some people are going to tell you, oh, you can shoot it upside down and it'll be just fine. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe one time. And I say this all the time. You know, people are like, vein contact's not a big deal. <clears throat> if it's if your arrow's coming off consistently and you're maybe scooching the, the side of the blade a little bit, fine, right? If they're all doing the same thing. But that whole shoot an arrow upside down and it'll go in the middle thing, what I don't like about that is the whole reason we're doing this shit is so when you're under, you know, high pressure shooting situations where you need to do everything right to get that arrow in. Um, it, if everything is done right on your equipment end, you know, the thought is you have a little more forgiveness in yourself to where... You don't have to do, you know, maybe you flinch a little or you have a little, the, the example I use is maybe you have a little more torque in your bow hand than normal, all right? <clears throat> if the arrow comes off clean, that little bit of torque in your bow hand probably won't be seen downrange. Or if it is, you know, maybe you hang, a, you know, you hang the line or you hang the dot um, versus if you shoot the arrow upside down, like... To everyone that thinks you just shoot the arrow upside down, <clears throat> I offer you a challenge. This year at Reading, when you get to Bigfoot, knock the arrow upside down and shoot Bigfoot. Okay? Put two of them in there. And if you do, I will eat these words live on this show. All right? I'll even I'll even give you a little guest spot and come on and tell me how much of a dumbass I am. <laughs> Ooh, that's a big challenge. <laughs> but th that's what... That's why I, I believe in getting that clean uh, arrow contact out of the bow. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's how I'm setting it up. Uh, one degree straight. I'm going straight left because my arrows rotate left out of the bow. Um, the brake cleaner seems to be a game changer for my setup at least. Um, the veins are sticking really well to the arrow shaft. I did have two that I happened to yank veins off of this morning, and that pissed me off. Instead of putting, you know, I I've seen people talk about, well, how do you e even on the even on the fletching tips from AAE, how do you refletch an arrow when you're missing one or two veins? 
Um, I'll tell you guys, the easiest thing to do is just cut all the veins off and start over. And, you know, you could go buy an AAE knob or one of those fancy refletching knobs to put on your bits and burger jig. <clears throat> but look, you just got, if you got 100 veins from AAE for, what, 15, 20 bucks, just cut them off and put new ones on. You ain't going to, you know, you're going to reuse them. You're not going to use them all, you know? So, anyway, that's my, <laughs> that's my, I don't want to say my theory, but... Um, I had a really good question from a really good shooter, a gentleman named Alex Mueller. He's, he wanted to give me an, an idea. He said, why don't you, because I told him, I want to give my listeners some quality content. I don't always want to do these stoned episodes where you guys listen to me ramble on about shit. I mean, those are fun, and you probably will get, still get those. But I need to get to giving you guys more content. I noticed, uh, if you guys saw Gaius Carter posted a picture on his Instagram with the Archeon filtered logo on his toolbox. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, he was a guest on the show. He's cool. He's such a cool fucking dude. And he just openly tells you all his little tuning secret secrets too, you know? There's, there's no secrets. Just all his little tuning tips he'll tell you. Um, I think at the end of the day, he knows what it comes down to is what's between your ears. And I know that's such a... You hear that from the day you start archery right that it's all mental at the end of the day and it's like yeah 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 yeah. i get it i get it and uh i'm the you know here i am now i think i'm six years shooting on my sixth year or seventh year of archery and i i don't i believe it more now than i ever have before that this is such a mental game um it's what make her makes or breaks really good shooters <clears throat> But, you know what? There is that point where you're just trying to get your fundamentals down, you know? And I think that's where, uh, I think that's where this show can help a lot of people. I, you know, I'll try to dip into some of the mental shit soon. Um, but yeah, Alex Mueller said, why don't you go into talking about how you use Archer's Advantage to the fullest and how you integrate it with Archer's Mark. So, so you guys know, I use Archer's Mark. It's an app that you can download. Um, and very similar to Archer's Advantage, you punch in your, you know, you punch in your bow dimensions, and then you punch in your sight marks, it will generate a, a whole ton of numbers for you. What I really like about Archer's Mark, and I use Archer's Mark all the time, especially in field archery, or outdoor archery, or uh, safari archery, what I love about Archer's Mark is that you can punch new numbers in on the fly. So, if you shoot, say you use 20 yards and 60 yards as your reference numbers, and then you go shoot 60 and 60's off, you can punch the new 60 number in, right? Granted, if you're shooting safari, you only have two arrows, right? If you're shooting field, you get four. So, somewhere between, if it's safari, somewhere between your first and second arrow, you gotta, you got to know where you broke that shot and then where the arrow landed, and, you know, was it something else? Was there a downward pushing wind or something weird? Did you do something weird with your bow? If not, if you made a good shot and it landed low, if it's safari, I'll give it a couple clicks, right? Let's just say, for example, I'm uh, an inch low at the bottom. Say I broke broke dead center and I'm an inch low at the bottom. I'll give it three clicks, right? Oh, we should say a distance. Let's say it's uh, 60 yards because I think this is a realistic thing that's happened to me. Um, say it's 60 yards. I'll give it three clicks shoot it right 
So that's arrow number two. If this is Safari, that's it. That's my only chance I get at correcting that mark. Um, if I break it dead center and it lands dead center, I'll punch that number in to Archer's mark. And then it will recalculate all my distances, which is awesome. What I like to do is, weeks before an event, put in my 20 and 60 in Archer's mark. And then I just go on the field, like go to your local field and shoot a field round, which is, you know, four arrows at every target, varying target faces after 14, um, that kind of thing. And all the different distances, right? And if 20 and 60 are good, but say 30 is off, Archer's mark will let you punch in a new 30. All right? So I'll do that. I'll punch in a new 30, and it will recalculate all the other numbers. Um, I'll go shoot long after that. After 60, I'll go see what 70, 80, 90, and 100 are. And Archer's Mark will let you punch in new numbers for everything around then, right? But here's the thing. If your 20 and 60 are good and every other distance is off, there's something wrong in your setup. Either you, the dimensions you put into um, Archer's Mark are off, or your 20 and 60 need to be refined, okay? And I'll tell you guys, I like to get my 20-yard uh, mark on a birdie dot because it's the finest point that I can hit at 20 yards. And that gives me really, really solid numbers. You know, 60 is kind of like, eh, especially now. I have, it's been so long since I've shot outside. I don't know what my 60 is going to look like, you know, or how confident I'm going to be at shooting 60. Um, but I do like to get 60 as the long distance, you know. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable shooting 60. I remember Dave Cousins was telling me at a seminar once that he feels the distance he, his maximum comfortable distance is 120 yards. And I was like, what the f what? And he's like, yeah, that's about, that's about where I can put them all in the middle. And, you know, after that, I start to get a little uncomfortable. I'm like, what, 120? Part of me wants to be like, bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit that I paid for this seminar, so I'm going to shut up and listen. Okay, so how do I use Archer's Mark in conjunction with Archer's Advantage? Well, the main thing I like to use Archer's Advantage for is, you know, arrow spine selection. Uh, but here's the thing. I'll take my marks from Archer's Advantage, right? I'm sorry, or from Archer's Mark, and I'll plug them into Archer's Advantage. Um, and I'll see where if they line up. And if they don't line up, then usually something's off. Either I punch something weird into Archer's Advantage, or there's something weird going on in Archer's Mark. Let's just assume at this point, your Archer's Mark is all on point. Okay? Well, you plug those numbers into Archer's Advantage, and maybe they're slightly off, and something's off. Well, you can tweak stuff like the uh, peep height or peep to pin to get those numbers to line up better. Because, I don't know, I guess they use different different equations to calculate their numbers. But the main thing that I like Archer's Advantage for is you can see, like, they have an aerospine judgment thing on their uh, website. And it is the most accurate after you already have sight marks. And it seems counterintuitive because, you know, you can use it to build your arrow, and then you're like, yay, I got optimum spine. Well, then you go out there and shoot. You punch your numbers in, and that tells Archer's Advantage how fast your bow is actually shooting. And... You know, what creates the speed on a bow well, is how much force that those limbs and oh, that might be the wrong word. But, you know, how much power that bow puts out. Well, the power directly affects the spine of the arrow because the, the 
bow actually uses the arrow as a conduit for that energy. Which is why if there's no arrow there, the bow explodes. <laughs> the energy goes back into the bow and it's, <laughs> you know, if you're shooting a Bowtech, I hope you're wearing goggles, you know. Um, so, after you get those numbers and you punch it into Archer's Advantage, it will re it'll change your spine selection. And you could change nothing with that arrow. You could punch your arrow in, you know, down to the T, and it'll say optimum spine. After you punch your numbers in, it'll either it'll most likely change to um, overly stiff or overly weak, one or the other, depending on. For me, it's always overly stiff afterwards because my bow shoot way slower than um, advertised. Okay, and my well, also my draw length is twenty six and a half. Most people's draw lengths are twenty eight. Most are somewhere around 28. So I think what they call that IBO or whatever they call though, however they rate bows, I think it's either on a 28 or 30 inch um, draw length. Not not what I'm at. <laughs> so I'll use Archer's Advantage for that. If all of my numbers line up with Archer's Mark, I will then print a sight tape. Um, I'll also print the short marks. It'll give you, well, when you print a, sh a sight tape on the far right or far left, I think it's the far right, they'll be, it'll tabulate what your short marks, what your short distances are, which will be everything under 14 yards. And you guys know, under 14 yards, sometimes it's under 12 or, or 10, depending on your setup. But under 14 yards, you start adding yardage to your sight as you get closer to the target. It's a weird thing, but it is real. Um... And I will take those short marks and I'll glue them to the back of my phone. I know some people will um, will tape them to their stabilizer bar or they'll tape them to the back of their bow. I have a clear phone case, so I'll stick it to the back of my phone and then put my clear phone case over it. I like that. That seems to that seems to do the job. Then if I ever need to look at it, at it, you know, I'll do the same thing with my hunting bow. Um, so that uh, well, it's different with the hunting bow, but it's the same with yardage after you have your sight tape. Um, I do that with my hunting bow so that I can shoot snakes if I see snakes. And I know someone out there might be like, Wendell, that's a little fucked up that you shoot snakes. And I'm sorry. It's like a family tradition where we hate rattlesnakes and we just have to kill them. And I know it's not good because of the rats and but whatever, but <clears throat> I just fucking hate snakes. We're, my family's like Indiana Jones. So, uh, Archer's Advantage lines up, you print your sight tape, you print your short marks. What I do, the, like, so when I s paste my, or, uh, I don't say paste, what I do is I tape my sight tape to my uh, sight, I use two-sided sticky tape. First, I'll, quote, laminate my sight tape by just putting packing tape on both sides of that sight tape. I'll cut it out. Um, first, I put the tape on the paper over the sight tape section, and then I just cut it out. It's really nice and clean. Then I'll put two-sided sticky tape on the back of that uh, sight tape. I'll put it on my sight bar. I will set my sight for 80. All right, And then I'll slip my sight tape in and put the 80-yard mark on there. I do 80 because the further out you get, the finer those marks have to be. You know, the, the more spread there is. So if I feel like you can, you know... If you put your sight tape on with your pin at 
80 or like 100. I've had issues with 100 because sometimes your 100-yard mark's a little off. But with 80, if it's a verified distance, so if it's a verified mark, uh, which it should be if you shoot field archery, um, that's where I'll set my, I'll slip my sight tape in at 80, and then I'll press it down, and uh, then I'll check all the, you know, I'll so I still use archer's mark, but then I'll look at my sight tape. Is the pin on the number that I just shot? Yes or no? And uh, people ask me, well, why do you have a sight tape if you just use archer's mark? I like a sight tape because you never know if your phone's going to die. I mean, you do know, but you never know what's going to happen, right? Maybe you slip and shit, and you fall and you crack your phone in half. Or, you know, maybe uh, a famous podcasting archery personality sees you and realizes you've been making fun of him for years. He comes up, beats your ass, takes your phone, and throws it. Well, it's gone now. What are you going to do? Roll with the sight tape. You just never know. You want to be prepared for anything. You pay to go to these tournaments. Why not have a plan B for yourself? You know? Um, so, yeah. That's why I do it. I still use my phone because I believe the phone marks are the most precise. And uh, But you got to have a sight tape. I mean, before Archer's Mark, the big scores were still shot on sight, sight tapes. And I'll put money on it. Jesse Broadwater shot his killer reading score with a sight tape <clears throat> archers advantage does create they do have a printout where you can print all your sight marks out to 100 so you can use that if you want and that's what what i used to do before i had archers mark i would screenshot all the different distances i think archers advantage goes out to like 150 so you can cut it <clears throat> you can zoom in to the screen take a screenshot and cut it at 100 and then I'll take, you know, what I do is use markup and put red lines over every of the 10-yard uh, distances, like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And then I just saved it as my screenshot on the back of my phone. So I like that. <clears throat> Again, Archer's Advantage, you cannot change marks on the fly. Um, unless you have good cell phone reception and your phone is all linked up to, you know, your account's all linked up to Archer's Advantage, you could, you could essentially punch one in on the fly. Archer's Mark... Way more convenient, though. So that's where I'm going. I'm just using Archer's Advantage for the spine thing, right? The spine judgment doodad. And for the sight tape. And for the short marks. I am not using it for the spine thing this year because I am going to run my arrow stiff this year. I'm going to try an old Kevin Wilkie thing and just run him stiff. Um, Kevin Wilkie makes a good point that that spine, you know, spining an arrow is really like a recurve thing. I mean, this is just what I've heard him say, and this was at one event, and he's told me in the past that he just talks and not to listen to him or quote him. So I'm going to quote him, <laughs> and, but he straight up told me you can shoot any spine above what they say as long as your bow is tuned for it. Um, I've heard some guys, like I think it was Levi Morgan, says that you know the slightly weaker arrows more accurate at long range, but... I would argue that all those guys are shooting somewhere between optimal and overly stiff. I, I don't think anyone's shooting under. Maybe Levi is because he's got a super draw, a super long draw length. Um, for a draw length like mine, and anyone else out there that's short, if you're going for a, uh, a slightly weak arrow, you're looking at like a you're getting into the 550, 600 range arrows. And at that, you know, with how fast these compound bows are. If you're shooting 60 pounds, uh, 550, 600, I'll just say 600, you're starting to get kind of light on the spine. 
So I would I would opt for a stiffer arrow that's a little heavier, um, and just tune your bow if you can. All right, guys. So that is that. Uh, I want to thank Alex Mueller for giving me some good ideas there for content. Um, he is a really smart guy. He's a Southern California guy. So if you're in Southern California and you're looking for a dude to uh, pick his brain, um, go find him while he's practicing. Go disrupt his practice. Go ask him some questions. I know he'll be in for it. <laughs> he'll be down for it. Thank you, Alex. That was a that was a cool question. Um, all right, guys. And so I'm going to close the show out, and I'm going to go hit, hit the range here in a little bit. Um, I just wanted to tell everyone that I am now coaching. I'm doing. I'm coaching some archery. Someone brought up a good point. They said, uh, "Hey, Wendell, you said you're a tel- terrible coach, and now you're coaching." That is true. I think I've said it multiple times that I'm a terrible coach. The reason that I have said that is because I did not want you guys to ask me to coach you. And <clears throat> even so, I still got plenty of I still got plenty of messages. Hey, Wendell, can you look at me shooting? Look at this video of me shooting and. Tell me what you think of my form. Look, guys, I, I'm not good at that. I think for that, you should call Blake Jerome or Sean Elsa. Those guys do Zoom coaching sessions, right, where they can look at you and tell you what's going on. I am not on their level, all right? I need to be standing next to you. I got to see what you're doing up close. I want to see what's happening downrange. I want to talk to you about it. <clears throat> and... uh I want to be there in person. So that's why I know I'm not doing the Zoom stuff. But that's why I've also in the past, I've said, like, I'm a bad coach. Don't ask me to coach you. Um, also, I just wanted to shoot. I didn't want to be bothered with a bunch of people asking me coaching questions. With that being said, I have been bombarded since day one of people saying, look at my form. <laughs> Tell me what you think. And for everyone, I've just said, that's not me. I don't do that. Um <clears throat> I'll do it now because I'm going to charge money for it. <laughs> I'm so tired of door dashing. So just think, if you guys are wondering, oh, Wendell's just trying to make more money on top of it. Well, I don't get paid anything to do the podcast. All right, I do the podcast because I love archery. And I love seeing new badass shooters come up and challenge everybody. Um, but I want to stop door dashing at very least. So if I can do some coaching and stay off the stay off the mean streets of uh, the Bay Area. I definitely will. So I'm starting to coach, guys. <coughs> um, and someone asked, you know, well, what do you bring to table? Bring to the table. And uh, I was going to say, you know, I'm going to start with fundamentals. The fundamentals that I use to get ready for tournaments. And those are all things that, you know, can sharpen you up. Uh, I always like to say, you know, you got to be able to dribble the ball before you can start to run, uh, before you can start going through your legs, go behind your back, crossing over people, you know, and taking people to the rack like I do. Um, so I can teach you that stuff. And, uh, you know, when you're done, when you're done with my coaching section, you're going to call on X and say, hey, this guy's got the map to how to shoot. You got to... <laughs> it's so fucking cheesy. I just wrote the fucking cheesiest commercial for myself. <laughs> But uh, basically, if you happen to live nearby, if you're in the Bay Area in California, um, even if you're in Northern California, I'll, I'll drive out to see you. Um, message me. Let me know. I, I'm doing really cheap. I've been told I'm like undercutting a lot of regular coaching. But the thing is, 
I haven't coached in years, so I'm not going to charge you guys what everyone else is charging you for coaching. Basically, I'm going to charge you half. I'm doing two-hour sessions right now, and um, if it's good, if the people I coach get better, I have some. You know, I'm all booked for the rest of the month. <clears throat> well, I was going to say the rest. Of the, yeah, I am all booked for the rest of the month. <laughs> um, if people do get better, I would hope that they come on and you know, get, you know, give me a good review and and if I get if there's more demand, then I'll up the price. But you know what? As of right now, I don't know, you know, just how good of a coach I am. It's been a long time. I used to coach Joe Ad shooters. Uh, yeah, it's a little different. I'm excited to coach some adults now because kids are fucking ugh, teenagers. Terrible, terrible to coach. <clears throat> so anyway. If you guys are interested in getting one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with me, uh, just hit me up on social media. I'm sure you guys can find it. I'm on Ar it's Ar Archery Unfiltered on Instagram, Archery Unfiltered on Facebook. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to do it. Kind of, as long as I'm, as long as I still get to practice. Here's the other thing: wife, the wife will let me run out and practice if uh, I have coaching sessions. So. If you guys want to help get me out of the fucking house so that I can go practice outdoors, that would help me a lot. All right, guys. So let's see what we covered. The PSE sale, we covered Foley. We covered how to make vein stick. We, we just touched on Archer's Advantage and Archer's Mark. Just downloaded Archer's Mark again so I can get that going. All right, guys. Um, that's it. I'm going to try, try to start putting out more quality episodes. I hope you guys like this one. I'm using Rudy Sandoval's equipment, so we'll see if it sounds better. We'll see what the quality's like on this guy. Um, you know, ever since uh, this last week, I started seeing, a, I started getting a lot more messages from people um, saying how much they like the show. Gaius Carter put up his his picture on his toolbox. Um, it it makes me want to start doing more quality podcasts. So, you know, if you guys want me to cover stuff, just send me a message. Say, hey, cover this tuning, this aspect of tuning. Or cover, you know, I haven't heard a lot about this. And uh, I'll happily dive into it. Or, and if I don't know about it, I'll tell you. And then I'll research it. But I've been around long enough to where, you know, we've pretty much heard it all at this point. Next episode, I'll probably talk about, you know, my experiences uh, shooting outdoors. What my shot process is looking like. What you should strive for in your own and uh things of that nature all right guys so thank you for listening <clears throat> as always the show is brought to you by carbon craft stabilizers uh my favorite stabilizer made by my good friend my one of my favorite shop owners one of my favorite shop owners brian webb down at impact archery in fresno he makes the carbon craft stabilizer it is the best stabilizer on the planet well, I see. It definitely beat the Conquest, the skinny Conquest. I do want to pit it against the comparative size, or the, the similar size Conquest. As of right now, it's the, it's the best bar I've shot, but we'll see. We're going to put it up against the uh, the regular Conquest, regular size Conquest, and see. I, I've, I've heard good things about the Conquest bar. Anyway, this is not a uh, <laughs> commercial for Conquest bars. Um... Even if the Conquest bar is on par with the Carbon Craft Stabilizer, the Carbon Craft bar will be cheaper and more pocket-friendly. 
you guys know how I am on this show. I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like people having to buy shit if they don't have to buy it. I had a guy on the show once that was talking about the, the 365 lens. <clears throat> the new doublet lens where they like glue in two fucking lenses together now. And it's like, well, what's wrong with the regular lens? He's like, well, dude, this lens is even better. It's like, man, until someone fucking drops one in my lap and then it proves to me that it's better, I'm not wasting my money, man. A, a good quality lens won't get you there. Same thing with stabilizers, carbon craft stabilizers. That's where it's at. Now, if you do have money to spend and you and your bow's looking shabby, take that bow and send it to DB Custom Coatings. My friends out in Napa, Darren and Bet, they Cerakote bows. They do awesome work. They don't just do solid colors. They'll do a camo pattern. They'll do the American flag. Darren does the American flag on all kinds of bows. It looks sick. They give it a distressed look so it looks like your American flag just won the, the alien uh, revolutionary war. Um, yeah, it's badass. I want to get my Elite Cerakoted, but every year it's the same deal. I just want to get the bow shooting good first. So, after the elite shooting good, I'll have Darren do something something wild. Maybe I'll make it yellow. <laughs> Yellow's a big deal, guys. If you put yellow on your bow, you better be a decent archer. <laughs> you better not go out there and fucking... God, I'm putting it... Don't go, don't go out there with a the yellow bow and fuck it up, okay? Uh, I think... Oh, okay. In my mind... We'll do a little sidebar here if you're still listening. If you guys haven't turned it off, the yellow bow is the J-Bars. And J-Bars... J-Bars is an Olympic American archer. And he won the gold medal in the 1988 Summer Olympics. Um, he's a just a beast of, an in, uh, of a recurve guy, right? And a lot of archers kind of looked up to him as like the... Uh, I want to say Michael Jordan of our sport. He's, you know, kind of like the, well, for compound guys, our Michael Jordan's Jesse Broadwater, right? Hands down. Well, <clears throat> Jay Bars, he always made his bows, well, not always, but at one point or another, started making his bows yellow for whatever reason. Maybe because it's an uncommon color. Um, I want to say it had something to do with, like, the target face or something like that. I can't remember. I don't know the story, but basically, everyone that came after him that then made their bow yellow either did it as like an homage or a tribute to J Bars, or they were badass enough that they were like, I'm as good as J Bars. <laughs> so, if you just type his name into into Google, J as in Blue J, and then Bars as in, uh, I'm going to go get fucked up at these bars. Two R's. You can see the first five pictures of them are all yellow bows. So, kind of cool. Um, yeah, maybe do tribute to Jay Barr's elite bow. I think he was a Hoyt guy, but who gives a fuck, right? All right, guys. That's the show for today. Uh, wish me luck. I'm about to go hit the range. I'm going to go shoot some distance. <laughs> I'll let you guys know how it goes. All right? Ciao.